Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to That Spooky early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Spooky. I'm Johnny. And I'm Tyler. And this is a weekly podcast that'll help you figure out whether or not that ghost is hitting on you. Right. Sometimes it's ghosts be sending mixed signals. Mm-hmm. You don't really know. Totally. You're like, is that a come hither whale or is that a stay away, stay away? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I've gotten confused by ghosts several many times in my life. Totally. It's nothing but hot and cold spots. Yeah. Catch my drift. <laughs> I catch it, and I love it. Thanks. All right, so how are we doing? Gorgeous. Same. Do you want to get into some spooky gay bullshit? I do, because it is time. Yes. The time has come. Ring the bells. For us to talk about Dragula Season 4, Episode 1. Yeah, even though I think the second episode is out as of the release of this podcast, we will talk about that next week, of course, so yeah. no spoilies. Exactly. But yeah, we're here, we're queer, we're ready to talk about Dragula. And if you don't know what we're talking about, Dragula is one of our favorite things. It's like a spooky yuki drag competition. Uh-huh. It's currently on Shudder, which, as we've said in previous episodes, you can watch with the code Spooky. That's right. For a 30-day free trial. Get to it. Yeah, the T is this is going to kind of be like a two minutes of Drag Race segment like we've done before. Now, if you don't give a flying hoot about this kind of stuff, you can always skip ahead like the two minutes of Drag Race, but just get into it, baby. Yeah, because Dragula... It's yeah. the best. Yeah. If you don't care about Drag Race, you might even want to listen to this because this is, it's similar format to Drag Race, but we're talking about drag performers who are like spitting blood, uh-huh. um, destroying things with chainsaws like Wendy O. Williams. That's the thing. Drag Race, they're referencing Wendy Williams. Right. Dragula is referencing Wendy O. Williams. Thank you so much. Yeah. That kind yeah. of sums it up. Yeah. That's yeah. a perfect sum up. All right. Um, so high points, low points. Okay. 
So a high point for me, I'll just jump right into my high point, was one of the guest judges was actually uh, Tanana Reeve Du. Yeah. Whom we love over here at That Spooky. Mm-hmm. Anybody who doesn't know, Tanana Reeve is a um, horror film aficionado, but so much more than that. She's Absolutely. an author, a writer, a teacher, an educator. She does it all. Absolutely. And they do it all really, really, really well. Yeah. And you talked about them uh, and some of the work that they've put out there in like interviews uh, on the Candyman episode, particularly, right? Exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah. Because Tanana Reeve do uh, uh, produced Horror Noir that mm-hmm. we know about that's on Shudder as well. And uh, yeah, they, they, they know a lot about um, black horror specifically. Yeah. So when it comes to Candyman, that's the person who you're going to listen to. Oh, yeah. It was so great to see them as a guest judge on the show. Now, I will say my high point was just the way that we got into the whole series, which they've never done before, where instead of just like walking into a room or, you know, being found in a space, mm-hmm. all of the performers who were arriving at Dragula had to go through like a haunted house and then they met each other and then they had to go through like more haunted houses so it was a real fun way to get to know everyone <laughs> it was it was perfect yeah it's like welcome to Horrorland, baby yeah it was so fitting uh-huh. so i really liked that but of course with the good we need to take the bat so were there any low points for you all right low points for me listen okay so for the elimination challenge or sorry the extermination challenge thank you they did the very first extermination challenge from season one but it was like that challenge 2.0 and anybody who doesn't know the challenge was they had to be buried alive and then have like random gross things dumped into the casket with them underground so the idea was kind of like they were in a casket being buried alive not actually just like straight up being thrown into a hole exactly so on the very first season they were just caskets on the ground Mm -hmm. that they poured dirt on top of yeah and like bugs and water into and it was dark and it felt like you were being peed on and stuff like that and they shook you around Right. But they weren't actually buried underground. Mm -hmm. And they really tried to sell us this time and make us believe that these drag performers were being buried underground. But I really don't think that they were. Yeah. So you're just like, bury the drag queens, I'm disappointed. If you're going to tell me you're going to bury them six feet underground, bury them six feet underground. You don't tell me that. They threw them out of planes (laughs) at one point. Why can't you bury them? Right? Oh, well, I hear you there. (laughs) Now, I will say there weren't a lot of low points to be had because Mm -hmm. Dracula is quality programming yes. but i will say my low point was just the music video that was kind of shoehorned in at the end oh my God. now i love what the boulet brothers who are the hosts of dragula do in terms of like putting in like little horror skits and vignettes at the beginning of the episodes uh-huh. but at the end they kind of tied a music video into the final extermination video yeah. where they kill off the loser for they the episode yeah or not the loser but the person who you know doesn't win the episode so they go home yeah but anyway the thing is uh, it, it just wasn't necessarily it Uh so to say however it did give us a lot of campy moments so i'm not mad at that that's it it's like it might have been like the lowest point but it still had a lot of great uh (laughs) it gave us we don't care about god it's time to die time yeah to die we don't care about god yeah yeah it's time to die (laughs) it was ridiculous like tyler ask me what kind of potatoes i want as a side for my meal what uh, kind of potatoes do you want as a side for your meal? It's time for fries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that kind of thing. It's woven into our everyday life. So at the end of the day, I can't be too mad at it. No, yeah. I mean, we've been quoting it all week long. So, you know, did yeah. its job. We don't care about low points. That's yeah. right. Edgy. Yeah. All right. So here we are. Um, We loved it. We are looking forward to talking about the next episode next week. But with that being said, we got to get into the rest of spooky gay bullshit. That's correct. And I actually have a little bitty piece of spooky 
spooky gay bullshit to share okay. on this good day. Hey, I love it. So this is a piece of news that has been all over social media, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard about this because it is quite an interesting story about a hiker who went missing last week. Maybe you've heard of it. But as I said, a hiker had gone missing, and they went missing in Colorado, and they were hiking uh, Mount Elbert in Colorado. Now, from the article that I read on ctv.ca, they say that Mount Elbert is the highest summit of the Rocky Mountains and is also the highest point in the entire state of Colorado, which I'm assuming means it's not something you fuck around with. Absolutely not. You know, like, it's extreme with a capital X. It's not just, like, Mountain Dew. It's, like, Mountain Dew Code Red. Yeah. Yeah, like, extreme. Very that. Totally. Now, this hiker had departed on their hike from the south trailhead at around 9 a.m. on the morning of October 18th, and they still had not returned come 8 p.m. that night. Okay. So, concerned for his safety, the owner of the lodging that the hiker was actually staying at reported the hiker missing, was basically just like, yo, this hiker went out this morning and still has not come back. And so, a search and rescue team was assembled by Lake County Search and Rescue. Now, the first thing they did was they tried to call the hiker's cell phone, and they called him multiple times trying to reach him, but they received no response. Okay. Was there, like, spotty reception or something like that? I mean, I don't really know if that could have been the case. Either way, they called, it rang, but they got no answer. Okay. Now, by 10 p.m. that same night, so October 18th, Mm -hmm. uh, LCSR sent some folks to search um, some high probability areas, being like, okay, if this person's going on a hike, they probably went here, here, or here. So they decided those would be the places that they would check first. And they spent about five hours doing that, like into the uh, early mornings of October 19th. And around 3 a.m., they called off the search for the night and still had not found the missing hiker. Now, at 7 a.m., as soon as uh, the sun rose, the uh, LCSR sent three more people out to search in another location where the hikers often lose the trail. But just two and a half hours later, they received some good news. Okay. The hiker they were searching for was safe and had returned to their place of lodging. We love this. It's great. It's good news. Yeah, totally. Now, apparently the hiker had lost the trail come nightfall and then spent the rest of the night basically trying to get out of the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And eventually they he did find his way back onto the trail and then his way back to the car. And that would have been the morning of October 19th. So he'd been just missing for maybe about 12 hours at that point. Uh, it's a Tyler birthday miracle. Hey, hey. Hey. The thing is, though, all of this probably could have been avoided if the hiker had answered his phone. Okay. So, if you remember, the search and rescue team tried to call the missing hiker several times before they went into the wilderness to find him, but they got no answer. Now, when someone doesn't answer their phone, you're assuming, A, maybe they don't have access to their phone, uh, maybe they lost their phone, Maybe the worst has happened. Maybe the worst has happened. If it's a search and rescue moment, uh, yeah. Exactly. But it turns out the reason why their calls were never picked up was because the hiker kept declining the calls on his phone <laughs> because he didn't recognize the number. Oh my god, that is so fierce. So that, just imagine I would do this that. guy. He's yeah. just hiking through the woods and his phone's just ring, ring, ringing. He looks at it, unknown caller, decline. Mm-hmm. He just keeps walking and he's lost at this point. Yeah. He's walking, trying to find his way. 
another call decline he's like i don't know her swipe <laughs> exactly yeah it's a very millennial situation like that's a very like 21st century problem you know what i mean totally oh yeah always be screening calls exactly that's us the thing is though at this point the hiker didn't realize that he had been reported missing and okay <laughs> so, so i guess in his mind there was no cause for concern like this must have been just some solicitor totally. but in actual reality it was the people who were trying to find him that is so 2021 that it hurts it is okay but at least at the end of the day he was okay mm -hmm. everything was okay but i think everybody learned a pretty valuable lesson that day yeah and it's that if a person goes missing on a hike in the woods Try texting them first. Also, voicemail is a fabulous thing. This is true. Yeah. But the other thing is, if you're lost in the woods, and you know you're kind of lost in the woods, and you keep getting a phone call from an unknown number, you might want to consider picking it up. Yeah. Okay. You might want to consider doing that. Yeah. I'm just glad everyone's safe and sound. At the end of the day. Yes, it's good news. All right. Well, I'm into that. Thank you, Tyler. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I. by the way, I did not see that on social media. Oh, really? No, totally. When you said that a hiker went missing and that it was all over social media, I was expecting it to be a, a not-so-foible-filled situation, if you catch my drift. 100%. Anyway, so with that being said, love it. I don't have any spooky gate bullshit to get into so do you just want to get into housekeeping and oopsie poopsies let's do it okay so oopsie poopsie time do you have anything you need to atone for for last week okay well yes and also no but there is a really interesting email from a spooky bitch who wrote into us that i would like to share that shines a little more insight on the whole uh po toaster I'm scenario into it. is it one of the many responses that we got from people saying that there actually is an edgar Allan poe roller coaster <laughs> no but that's yeah. true too yeah because i made poe coaster as a throwaway comment and i i got educated yeah. And I'm happy to have been educated. Yeah, there is an Edgar Allan Poe roller coaster called The Raven. Yeah. The but more I, you know. I don't think it's in Maryland, though. No. But yeah. Yeah. The story for another day. But it does exist. <laughs> but this spooky bitch, like I said, actually has some firsthand experience with the Poe toaster. And I would actually just like to read their email. Sure. So they said, hello, Johnny and Tyler. Imagine my surprise when I start listening to the most recent episode and hear about something I took part in for several years. They said, I volunteered for the Poe birthday events, and eventually my sister and I were invited to spend the night inside Westminster with Jerome and other volunteers to wait for the toaster. Dang, we got, like, first name basis. Right? How cool is that? And also, like, you were invited into the VIP. Oh, Because yeah. they weren't just waiting outside, they were waiting inside oh, the yeah. old Gothic church. And Jerome's in there, like, bottle service anybody. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Anyway, they said, uh, we never interfered with the toaster but made sure he wasn't held up by the crowds that grew year after year and once he was gone we would go out to see what he had left now like you said it's truly hard to describe what it's like waiting in the darkened building surrounded by a cemetery looking for a shadowed figure mm -hmm. years after year it was amazing the effort he went into after hours of waiting on lookout he would just suddenly appear and it was magical one year, he must have used a hidden ladder nearby because he scaled the back wall, which was maybe 10 feet tall. Dang. So, like, the pageantry? I had no idea the level of pageantry. Also, the Golden State Killery of it all. Ooh, like, no offense to the Poe Toaster, right. but ooh, that's a certain skill set. But the Poe Toaster seems to be using those powers for good. 100%. And that's why we stand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, now they go on to say he somehow was always able to time it perfectly and sneak in when the crowds were distracted. I think he was only noticed once by the people outside the gates. Now, while I won't speak on any details of letters, you are correct about it seeming to be a family operation that was then passed down. Excuse me, they I read know. the letters. Right, I know I want all the juice, but Ooh. I also I also respect totally. that that is information that they do not want to share. By all means. Um, they said, uh, we always suspected it might be more than a one-person operation with how he timed his arrival so well, and his physique certainly did change. I tend to think that they didn't have another generation who was interested in continuing it and then packed it in after the 200th birthday. It was definitely a special tradition, and while it's a shame it ended, it can't be replicated. Loved hearing about something so near and dear on one of my go-to podcasts. Keep up the great work. Oh, well, look, we are sending our love to you. Thank you so much for sending that in. Yeah, I, that's so cool. Yeah. To get that kind of first-hand insight. First and foremost, like I didn't realize that anybody was waiting inside the church. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of an oopsie-poopsie. That's a bit of an oopsie-poopsie. And yeah, the level of pageantry and the fact that it may have been more than one person doing it maybe at the same time. Like, you know, it's kind of like a full operation, a sting operation. You have your spy, you have maybe someone else helping, and oh, then you yeah. have the Poe Toaster themselves. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Who knows how deep this could run? Oh, baby. Yeah, I love it. It's totally just like, I'm think seeing like an exploitation film. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. It's kind of like family plot. Mm -hmm. mm. We love this. Yeah. Now, did they leave a name or do they wish to remain anonymous? They wish to remain anonymous. Oh, all of the toaster. Very the. That's very fierce. We love that. All right. Well, um, with that being said, thank you so much to our anonymous friend who sent that in yes very mystique mm -hmm. we love yes. it yes totally now do you have any other things that you want to talk about any other oopsie poopsies mm -mm. okay now do you have any housekeeping then because i don't have any oopsie poopsies Ooh, look at you perfect beautiful like look, always yeah look like a linda evangelista things never change uh-huh but yeah anything that you want to tell the uh the friends about uh just a reminder for people on the secret society that this friday we are going to be carving some pumpkins it's our annual uh pumpkin carving party yes and rutabagas, watermelons, other such uh, friends welcomed as well. Pineapples. I th yeah, I couldn't think about the word because it's not just gourds. No. 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 And you can also get like good old craft pumpkins that are carvable. That too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we love that. So, so yeah. there are options. So if you want to, or, or you know what? Maybe you don't want to carve anything. You just want to come hang out. Maybe you're like me and like, hey, I just got my left hand carpal tunnelized mm -hmm. on uh, Tuesday and surgery went well, by the way. Thank you to everyone who reached out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm not going to be carving any pumpkins. I'm just there for moral support. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if anybody else wants to be there for moral support, you're yeah. more than welcome. But that's all that I really want to announce. All right. Well, get into that. Um, I don't have anything else that I need to announce. Although, just a heads up that if you do want to get a booty cup, we are going to be locking in the final numbers soon for the order. Oh, yeah. Because again, they're shipping out in mid-November. So we have to put the order in. So it's basically one of those things where we are going to have a finite number at some point. Uh, because you have to order them by the box and then we are just basically gonna sell off the box exactly yeah yeah so once they're gone they will be gone for a yeah. little while they will be back at some point but maybe not until it's not uh freezing cold weather but the beauty of it is it's kind of like the flower like master zayami <laughs> said this about theater uh -huh. um it's like the theater performance is much like our mugs which is much like the flower which is like it's beautiful because it's only around for us a, a short amount of time oh, yeah, yeah and you know it's there it gives you the beauty and the joy and then it goes away but that's all part of the the life cycle of it uh -huh. yeah yeah yeah, we love yeah. That. all right <laughs>
right. Well, here we are then. Thanks, babies. Thank um, you. Do you want to just get into the rest of this then? Let's get into it. Let's do it. All right. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right. So my turn to go first this week. Yeah. All right. You're not just being nice to me because I only got one good hand right now. Oh, that's part of it. But also I went first last week. So it makes sense that you go first this week. This is the system that we abide by, folks. Mm -hmm. It's a rigid system, but it's ours. Yeah. All right. So here we are. Well, today I'm going to be taking you all to the realm of the spooky and the ooky. You're welcome. Because, babies, this is the last episode before Halloween. Can you believe? I, I actually can't no yeah where did october go i kind of think it's in my butt oh yeah i was gonna say maybe it got sucked up by a wormhole but i mean same thing oopsie (laughs) i just can't control it all right well uh like i said we're going to the realm of the spooky and the ooky so i hope you brought proper footwear because it's time to talk about a haunted graveyard Ooh, yes Mm -hmm. yeah boots on there's nothing i love more than a haunted graveyard what about me there's nothing i love more than Ooh, put on the spot all right that's some i didn't know shit. how to navigate out of that one and i don't think i did that's all right no you did just fine okay you did just fine all right well get ready babies because today i'm going to be spilling all the tea about a little cemetery called the pantheon de belen aka the santa paula cemetery all right and fyi this isn't just any haunted graveyard essentially it hosts a cast of ghouls that rivals that of the universal monsters uh cast of spooky ookies i mean that's some serious business oh baby yeah like we are not just talking ghosts here we are stepping outside the genre Uh so basically it's to the point that this doesn't even function as an active cemetery anymore it's now just a hot spot for paranormal enthusiasts it's just like a historical site all or it's just all full up yeah well it's it's all full up but it's also a historical site so they invite interlopers and paranormal investigators uh alike i love it so get into it now for this case we are going to be going to the city of guadalajara Guadalajara in Mexico. Now, if you aren't acquainted, Guadalajara is the capital of the state of Jalisco. If I mispronounced Jalisco, I am super sorry about that. But Guadalajara is located essentially in like the central slash western part of Mexico. Mm -hmm. And it acts as a metropolitan hub for the country in a big way. Basically, Guadalajara has a little under 1.5 million residents in the city proper. Yeah, and it's actually the third largest city in the whole country. So it connects to a lot of different components of Mexican culture. Actually, Guadalajara is the home of mariachi music. Whoa! Yeah, super iconic. Very that. Mm. I also remember it because uh, Guadalajara was the home of my sister's favorite wrestler back in the day, Who? S.A. Rios. <laughs> mm-hmm. From the WWF? The WWE, I 
I do believe they were that at the time. Okay. Yeah, but they, um, if you remember Lita, do you remember Lita, like the red-haired, real cool wrestler? She did backflips, like moonsaults. No, we've talked about wrestling before. The only wrestler I really remember is Jeff Hardy, and that's just because I had a crush Okay, on well, the thing is, she was mixed in with the Hardy Boys because she used to date Matt Hardy. This is like the two years of wrestling that I really remember. So, like, she was in with them, but before, uh-huh. she was S.A. Rios's manager and friend. Oh, and, and then they had a falling out, I'm assuming. Of sorts, yeah. I don't really remember it, but <laughs> you feel free to text my sister afterward. I'm sure you two can vibe on Perfect. this. Perfect. All right. So, like I said earlier, today we are going to be talking about the Pantheon de Belen, also originally known as the Cementerio de Santa Paula, but also just for ease, we will be referring to it as its third name, which is the Santa Paula Cemetery. Now, any of you who are acquainted with Spanish will kind of understand that Santa, in this case, translates to St. Paula. Right. And it, it's named this because the cemetery actually hosts a chapel dedicated to St. Paula, who is the patron saint of widows. Oh, hell. Oh, listen. Of, of sisters doing it for themselves. Yes. There are so many interesting saints out there. I don't know half of them. The fact that there's one for widows? I know. Into it. Like, who's the patron saint of Jamba Juice? This is what I want to know. Yeah, for real. Now, <laughs> to further clarify the name, game of it all. The current name, Pantheon de Belen, comes from the fact that the cemetery was built on the former orchard of the nearby hospital, the Hospital of Belen. Okay. Yeah, basically, the theme is there's always something there to remind me uh-huh. to try and keep up. Now, the grounds of the cemetery itself were designed by the Mexican architect Manuel Gomez Ibarra, and it was built in 1848 to keep up with the increased need for burials around Guadalajara. Essentially, Mexico had been hit at the time with a number of epidemics, one after the other. Oh. And most notably, they were going through the cholera epidemic at the time. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, they needed an increased... Uh, amount of graves in the region Uh so it not only housed a number of residents but it also over time ended up housing a number of rather high profile graves and i'm really just pointing this out because after a few years of being open they ended up dividing the cemetery up between classes ew so there was like a high society half of the graveyard and then there was just it was like the one percent and then the rest right Yeah. yeah so you had the big spires and then the little tiny tombstones basically exactly Exactly. But here's the tea. The non-wealthy graves ended up getting wiped out after the cemetery closed in 1896. Uh-huh. Yeah, like this baby was only operating for about 50 years in total. Yeah. But that portion of the ground ended up getting used for a hospital building, the Tower of Medical Specialties. So every time you're in the Tower of Medical Specialties over at that hospital, just know that you're on a former graveyard. Right. And then my next question is, and I feel like I already know the answer, is that did they bother to move the graves? Oh, my the poltergeist of it all. Uh-huh. You didn't move the bodies? Right. Um, I'm not actually sure, mm. so feel free to go 3D scan the grounds yourself. Okay, I But I, I will say that most of the famous residents of the graveyard were also moved out in eight, 1952 to the Rotonda de los uh, Jalisienses, uh-huh. Illustres, in Guadalajara. Woo, woo, I tried, and you I did. think I succeeded. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the tea is, there's been a lot of shifting graves in and out of the cemetery over the years, but there still is a core of the cemetery left intact and you can still go visit it to today. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but the T is what's left is said to essentially just be like a playground for paranormal activity. Fair enough. With sightings going up to present day. Ooh. Yeah. So without further ado, I 
think the way to do this is do a little bit of a who's who of the spectral residents of uh, Santa Paula Graveyard. I love that. Santa Paula Cemetery. Sorry about that. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's just get into it, babies. So first of all, let's talk about the resident pirate ghost of the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. Listen. Yeah. You know what? If you have a pirate ghost, you're doing pretty good. Absolutely. Although I will say they are an unnamed pirate ghost. Mm -hmm. So in my notes, I kind of lovingly refer to them as Captain Jankle Jeans. I love that. Or Captain JJ for fun. Yeah, I kind of like that. Okay, let's do it. This booty loving swashbuckler essentially laid down roots in Guadalajara, starting a small family who had no previous knowledge of their pirate past. They had been like living it up on the high seas in, you know, the earlier part of their life. But then at a certain point, they were like, you know what? I just want to settle down. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, listen, that's the way the pirate life is. Yeah. You you burn bright and you burn fast. Exactly. So after, you know, a short time of supernovaing, they were kind of like, all right, well, let's go start a family and then, you know, continue to live a lie through the rest of my life and not tell them about my tea. Uh So this ended up coming back to bite Miss JJ because he ended up not being able to tell his family of the alleged treasure that he had also uh, accured throughout his entire life and buried somewhere throughout Guadalajara as a bit of a private nest egg to, you know, pluck away at over the years, you know, as he integrated into normie life. Right, and he didn't tell his family? That's pretty rude. Well, that's the thing. They didn't know he was a pirate, so he was like, well, I can't tell them about the treasure, so I guess I'll just, you know, you you know, I can say, like, I have family money or something like that, and then just go get the treasure from, you know, the weird spot. The weird Uh spot. The private (laughs) spot. You catch my drift. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you don't really put treasure in not weird spots. Like, if it's a hidden treasure, it's in a weird spot because you wouldn't go to that weird spot to look for the treasure. 100%. Thank you for catching my drift. So the thing is, they essentially have this treasure. They don't tell their family. They're living a lie. But then the pirate, the anonymous pirate, Captain JJ, ends up unexpectedly passing away a few months after, you know, easing their way into normalcy. Ooh, and she died with a secret exactly that's some lifetime movie shit Mm -hmm. so the thing is captain jj was said to have been buried in santa paula cemetery and according to legend if you visit the pirate's grave and are devout enough the pirate will reveal the location of the treasure to you so like devout in like a religious way yeah exactly so essentially you have to go there and you have to pray over the grave with a rosary okay and then this pirate with principles who's oddly pious has uh-huh. that for an alliteration yeah. will essentially decide if you're worthy enough and if you are they'll let you know where the treasure is all right so you have to go pray to captain janko jeans yeah who has hidden a bunch of stolen money and then if you're a good person he'll tell you where the stolen money is so that you can then steal the money exactly now i'm not sure exactly which grave this is but i guess it is kind of known among people like where the pirate grave is but the t is also like if you just enter the cemetery and you're pious enough you should be able to gain access anyway but nobody has been uh, holy enough to gain access to the champagne room yet so well, here, yeah here's what we do what we send the pope there oh yeah fuck just send that guy over there and he'll get the money totally you know or it's fake but yeah i think that's <laughs> definitely worth it yeah mm-hmm. and it's said that the pirate ghost is still there to this day so i mean the challenge remains open okay but like nobody sees the pirate ghost no not necessarily they're just more of like a game show host presence i mean that's unfortunate because a pirate ghost is an aesthetic i know 
right? That would be so hot. Like, you know, when you're planning a dinner party and they're like, you know, you want to invite different people from different areas of, you know, the community and different businesses and stuff like that. You know, add some flavor to the table. Sure. Same idea. A pirate ghost always spices up a graveyard. It's true. Anyway, so that is the lowdown on the pirate ghost of Santa Paula Cemetery. Now, another legendary spirit of the cemetery is that of Victoriana Hurtado. Now, Victoriana Hurtado was a woman who was said to have passed away in Guadalajara in 1833. And according to the legend, Victoriana had lived with catalepsy, which, if you're not aware, is a disorder where you can essentially go still and lose consciousness, and you have a low pulse, you almost enter like a bit of a catatonic state. That's why they call it catalepsy, I do believe. Okay. Yeah. Now, this isn't the thing that ended up taking Victoriana's life, because to my understanding, catalepsy is not a fatal condition that one lives with. Okay. That's good, but it also does sound like, you know, those people who are presumed dead, but they're not actually dead. Well, that's the thing. It is a very common thing that used to happen to people who were experiencing catalepsy. But, you know, like I was saying, it's not a thing that would necessarily kill you. But you know what can kill you? Having fuckface children. That can kill you. And her fuckface kids, Octaviano, Javier, and Alejandro, ended up helping her meet her demise. Now, essentially, the Three Stooges supposedly claimed that their mother was dead during one of her cataplectic spells Uh and they had her buried alive in hopes of receiving a hefty inheritance. Oh, no, 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 no. So they weren't just like little kids that didn't understand that this was an illness that their mother had. No, 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 no. They were fully aware and they were like, let's see how we can make this work in our benefit. But they weren't kids at that time. I'm assuming they must have been like adults. No. That sounds like some adult bullshit. Absolutely. So the brothers Shitstein tried to pull this on Victoriana, but here's the thing. The joke was on them because Victoriana was a smart cookie and willed all of her fortune away to local charities. Oh, yes. Yeah, so when they finally had the will read to them, they were just gobsmacked. It right. Was, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I would have liked to be a fly in the room when that happened, but also, does that mean that she was buried alive? Yeah, 100% she was buried alive. Yeah, Um, and it was said that the brothers essentially were found out when the watchman at the cemetery heard a muffled scream coming from the tomb. Uh And then when they arrived, they found a blood-covered hand sticking out of the tomb motionless. And it was Victoriana's. So essentially, once they exhumed the body, they were able to determine that she died of a heart attack after waking up in this tomb and trying to get herself out in a complete state of terror. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so it's said that because of you know how she died in the cemetery victoriana still haunts the cemetery to this day and people still see her specter around i i don't think that it's like just a hand that they see uh-huh. it's like a full-bodied apparition but a lot of people claim that her presence is felt around there especially near her grave totally fair that's tragic absolutely now speaking of tragic the next two ghosts that we are going to talk about are children ghosts so just a heads up if child death or anything of that ilk kind of really triggers you in any way, you might want to go forward about five minutes or so. Now, the first child ghost that I'm going to talk about that's really kind of notable from Santa Paula Cemetery is referred to as the ghost of Nachito or the little boy who was afraid of the dark. Now, his ghost dates back to the spring of 1882. It's May 24th to be exact. My parents' anniversary. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they were married in 1880. Now, um, (laughs) basically, 
Basically, at this time, on May 24th of 1882, Guadalajara was on the precipice of a motherfuckers of a storm. Mm -hmm. And according to legend, a young couple named the Altamiranos were getting ready to put their 10-year-old son, who they called Nachito, down to sleep for the night. And P.S. Nachito was a nickname. It was actually Ignacio Torres Altamirano, if you're nasty. But for the ease, we are going to go with the snappy nickname. And that's kind of how everyone refers to him. Yeah, I mean, if you went by Nachito, wouldn't you want everybody to call you Nachito? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. And this is the thing. So essentially, Nachito was a really great kid, but their tea was that they were completely terrified of the dark, which is a pretty common thing for a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. But it basically meant that on a regular night, his parents would generally light two torches and keep them outside of his bedroom window, just kind of like as a ye old nightlight. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Except and way more dangerous. Way more dangerous. Yeah. I was going to say, those curtains they better be pulled back you don't want those flapping in the wind well yeah and that's the thing but uh, you know from my understanding they never had an issue with it so Nachito would sleep with the window open and bang instant nightlight mm-hmm. however on the night of May 24th the storm raged so hard that it ended up blowing out the little dude's torches mm-hmm. which was really bad news banshees for our friend Nachito so the following morning after the storm had raged through the night Nachito's mother went into his bedroom to wake him up and right away she could tell that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Nachito was not responding, and furthermore, he felt cold to the touch. So, she tries to stir him, but unfortunately, this was to no avail, and as it turned out, Nachito had died overnight. Oh my god. Yeah, like, really freaky shit, and like, really traumatic for a parent to walk in and discover that. Oh, yeah. Basically, she calls the authorities and an autopsy was performed because Nachito seemed to be of, you know, good health otherwise. Mm -hmm. And basically, once they did an autopsy, it had been determined that Nachito had died in his sleep due to his just deep, extreme fear of the dark, leading to him experiencing a cardiac arrest. A heart attack at the age of 10. Yeah, because he was so fucking scared like his heart just stopped i guess now some would also claim that his heart uh, exploded due to the work of demons a curse or something of that sort Mm -hmm. but i wasn't really able to find a lot that just sounds like small town well not small town but it sounds like rumors yeah i mean we don't need to sensationalize this story anymore because it's already just wild and inexplicable well that's the thing so basically the family was understandably devastated and you know young nachito ended up being buried in the Santa Paula Cemetery. However, after Nachito's burial, some really strange stuff started to take place. First of all, the morning after his burial, the Altamirano family received news that Nachito's gravesite had been fucked with. Uh. His coffin had been disinterred. It was completely above ground, laying next to the grave. He was still inside of it. Like, the grave wasn't robbed or anything like Uh that, but he had just been completely dug up and was just left very, you know, uh, I was going to say politely, but it's never polite to disinter a grave like that. No. Um, but basically just left next to that grave and the caretakers ended up having to rebury the coffin. And of course, the family was extremely irked by this. Yep. But it only got worse because the next day the same thing took place. Ooh. The coffin was unearthed when everyone came into the cemetery the next morning. It was just lying next to Nachito's grave. Now, This is freaky, but they followed the same course of actions that they did before, not knowing what was going on, thinking like, hey, maybe we have to increase security or something like that, but they rebury it. This continued on for nine 
days. So night after night after night, they would find the, uh, the, the casket out of the ground. Yeah, every morning they would come in and it would just be disinterred. Yikes. And they wouldn't have any explanation for this. There wasn't any sign that the cemetery had been broken into or anything like that. Uh-huh. So basically, at this point, the family got creative with their thinking. They figured that maybe the problem was that Nachito was getting scared down in the dark grave. And this was his way of getting out into the light. Ooh. So the family built a stone coffin suspended on four legs above the ground and since taking that action the grave has not been fucked with they wake up every day they come to the graveyard like the the groundskeepers mm-hmm. and the grave is intact so they figured that that you know allowed Nachito to kind of rest peacefully once they finally brought him above ground Weird. Yeah. Now, to make this even weirder, some folks have claimed that they have also witnessed seeing or hearing the apparition of young Nachito roaming around the graveyard, Mm -hmm. with some people even claiming to have seen a disembodied balloon floating around as if it were carried by a child. Uh, Yeah, that's some it shit. It is very that. With this presence in mind, many folks have also made it a tradition to leave gifts for the boy on Children's Day, April 30th, as well as Christmas Day, which is super sweet. Mm -hmm. And some people even make pilgrimages to ask for favors and leave toys at the grave of Nachito. Oh, wow. Okay, this graveyard is full of a lot of, uh, (laughs) I don't want to say the word helpful, but ghosts with a task. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you go pray to the pirate ghosts, and then you can go give an offering to Nachito. Oh, don't worry. The more frivolous, destructive ones are coming up. So, yeah, we're just getting started. But this is the thing. Like, no shade to Nachito. I'm not sure how many strings a 10-year-old can pull for you, but Mm -hmm. it's a very nice thought. Now, thankfully for Nachito, they are not the only kid in the neighborhood, so to say. Because like I said, we're going to talk about two child ghosts here. Mm -hmm. And admittedly, this one is a little bit more of a dark story. And it's often cited as a cautionary tale for local kids. So just put that in your hat. Okay, but I'm wearing like one of those little fascinator hats. So I don't know if anything's going to fit in it. Okay, well, um, sorry, I wasn't really prepared for a fascinator. Okay, I can put it in my boot. No, you're just too avant-garde for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, It's okay. No, it happens all the time i mean that's called fashion uh-huh. i should look it up yeah now the thing is uh we santiago was a young boy who lived in guadalajara i'm not sure at what age he passed away but it was said that from a young age he'd been struggling with a stomach issue some people claim it to be cancer but some people just claim it to be some unknown issue mm-hmm. however the thing is this led him to be sick in bed for quite some time and ultimately while he was sick in bed it was said that his mother brought him the statue of his to keep his spirits up sure now when he woke up to the statue in his bed it was said that santiago wasn't too pleased with the whole thing and ultimately flew into a rage breaking the statue against the wall of his room and announcing that he wished that god had to endure the same suffering that he was experiencing oh that's very existential for a child well yeah and he was like really frustrated and in pain and probably just didn't know how to process it so it just seems like he was acting out and allegedly he ended his tirade by saying Quote, if God gets this disease, let's see who will cure them. Now, later that night, it was said that Santiago experienced heightened pain in his stomach and ended up leaving his hospital bed for a walk near the cemetery and the rest of the hospital yards. Okay. Then the next morning, there was no sign of Santiago in his hospital room. Ooh. Also, I mean, just the kind of the idea of walking around a graveyard when you're in the hospital, that's... (laughs) I don't know 
of a graveyard is what people need to be seeing when they're in a hospital. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm not sure why they're like, oh, this kid who's like really sick and on bed rest with the stomach issue. Sure, we'll just go let him go walk around the graveyard late at night. This is fun. But this was when was this happening? Like the 1800s. Oh, that explains everything. Yeah, get into it. So essentially, they let Santiago go out to the graveyard, but then the next morning, there is no sign of Santiago in his hospital room, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until they went to the graveyard that they found Santiago. Uh-huh. And trigger warning, we are about to talk about uh, suicide. So essentially, they went out to the graveyard, it was said. They found Santiago hanging from a tree with bedsheets from the hospital fashioned into a noose. That is tragic. Yes, and unfortunately, he had passed away from this. Uh-huh. So in the years since the tragedy, it has been claimed by many that you can see the apparition of Santiago hanging from trees in the cemetery when you come at night. Uh. Yeah. Like, the pirate ghost never makes an appearance, but we have to see that. Yeah, it's really fucking just horrifying shit. Yeah. 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 Traumatizing. Not the ghost I would want to see if I went to this cemetery. Thank Mm -mm. you. Now, one of the most notorious spirits that is said to haunt the grounds of Santa Paula Cemetery, and you might like this one, this is the graveyard's resident vampire. Oh, hello. That's right. You heard me. A dang vampire. Okay. This graveyard has it all. That's what I said, baby. Universal monsters. Yeah. Like, fuck you all. This is the OG. So, Uh it was said that during the mid-1800s, an alarming amount of strange animal corpses were being found all around the city of Guadalajara. Uh And when I say strange, I mean strange in the sense that all of the animals were supposedly found without a drop of blood left inside of them. Baby. Yeah, and this was as if something had, like, drained the blood from them. Not like they had done, you know, professional medical bloodletting at the time. Right. Or the kind of bloodletting that one does on their wedding night, traditionally. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But okay, so animals are popping up, and they are void of all of their blood. That's easy. It's a chupacabra. Well, unfortunately, if it were just animals popping up, then that would be a reasonable explanation. Explanation, but unfortunately, after a few months of animals popping up around Guadalajara, dead without any other blood, it was said that who or whatever this was started to turn their sights on babies in the area. And it was said that there were a number of babies who were found dead in their cribs without an ounce of blood left in their tiny little bodies. Oh my God. And it was said that basically once this phenomenon started to catch steam, uh-huh. the locals just became increasingly concerned and they formed a vigilante mob to track down who or whatever this was. Naturally. Yeah, because essentially they were just starting to pick off some of the most vulnerable people in their communities. So the mob ended up rounding up a bunch of suspects and through some unknown process of elimination uh, decided which suspect seemed the most pale and vampiric. Oh no, they got the goth kid. Yeah, and basically once the goth prom queen was decided, the vigilante group then took it upon themselves to kill the alleged vampire accordingly, which Uh means driving a stake through their heart and burying said vampire or alleged vampire in the Santa Paula cemetery in a stone grave that they would definitely not be able to get out of in the afterlife. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So they follow through on this. You know, they kill the palest, most goth looking person in town, bury uh-huh. them in Santa Paula. And according to legend, once this was completed, the vampiric outbreak throughout Guadalajara came to an end. All right. Well, I guess they're lucky that they guessed correctly. I guess. Yeah. What a coincidence. But it was said 
said over the years, a tree grew over the gravesite of the legendary Guadalajara vampire. Uh-huh. And now in present day, it's completely like covered in like this tree that has grown up that has these leaves that will leave a sticky red blood-like substance if you touch it. Ooh. And furthermore, it said that if you break a branch off of the tree, it will start to spurt out blood, Evil Dead style. Oh my god, or, yeah, or like Sleepy Hollow. Exactly. So just capital D drama. Now, the other part of this is that the roots of the tree are currently entangled in the alleged vampire grave's headstone. And it said, over time, if the headstone is to break, the vampire will be released back onto Guadalajara. Ooh. Yeah. So basically, in, you know, in the best interest of everyone not being fed upon throughout the city, they've erected a fence around the tree and the gravestone, so you can't get too close. You can't break a piece off that blood tree. Mm-mm. And essentially, no one wishes to wake the cantankerous vampire of Guadalajara. I mean, that's absolutely fair. And there are definitely be people who would want to visit the graveyard just so that they could get a chunk of the vampire tree. Oh, baby. Yeah, but they are not allowed to. And like, look, the graveyard isn't always open up to looky-loos. Like, you can't just go walk your dog there, from my understanding. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll talk about access at the very end. But yeah, for this reason, I guess they, they kind of keep it under lock and key. Question, though. Yes. I have heard heard of stories of like bleeding trees before and is the red substance not just sap i'm not sure i don't know nobody's gotten close enough to find out all right well if anybody has some insights if anybody's a tree doctor let us know yeah or if you've broken a piece off that tree yourself let us know Mm -hmm. (laughs) sexy and dangerous (laughs) all right now there are also a number of other spirits that are said to haunt the grounds that have less animated backstories than the other ones that i've just talked about but they are scary af okay one of the freakiest to me has to be the monk who is said to be seen around Capilla de Vajacion. Now, this one actually has photographic evidence. Oh, really? Oh, we're getting photographic. Mm-hmm. Now, it's said that the shadow of a spirit monk has been captured in numerous photos in that particular area. Notably, in 1996, a couple who was getting some wedding shots done out there uh-huh. caught some in a video. Now, do you want to see a still from said video? Uh, yeah. Thoughts, feelings, opinions? Uh, No. No, that is definitely a monk, and it is not invited to my wedding. Yeah, like this big, imposing black shadow figure just lurking next to the stairs while this couple is all smiley. I mean, their faces are blurred out, but we will post this on our Instagram post for the episode so that people can soak this in as well. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. There is really nothing scarier than the image of a monk. And I feel like also it's usually really sinister when you do see an entity that kind of looks like a religious figure because it feels like they're sort of trying to like blend in. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, oh, no, no, no. Don't worry about me. I'm a, I'm a cool monk. I'm yeah. I'm like the regular monks. Yeah. Cool they're monk. just like fake typing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when somebody's just, you know, just going at it. Yeah. Air typing. <laughs> like actors typing in the background. Uh-huh. Or mm-hmm. Jennifer Aniston drinking out of a cup, which is never full. And she she's the worst cup actress I've ever seen in my life. Dang, shots fired. Listen, okay. I will stand by it. Like, just give her a little bit of water in that cup, please. Tyler says, don't overwhelm her with a drink. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, listen, this is why I don't make movies. This is why I dropped out of film school. Because I'm more concerned with how convincing people look drinking drinks that they're not actually drinking. Totally. But you know what? That's the level of detail one requires. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. Well, here's the thing, though. Um, this monk ghost has been seen by a few other people, but usually it's 
either like getting caught in photos or people catch it out of the corner of their eye, which is some of the freakiest shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some people have even spotted the monk and claimed that it's not a straight up shadow appearance, but actually a human apparition, usually seen with its head down, walking quickly. Uh A monk on a mission, if you will. Very that. Yeah. And there was even an instance in 2002 when cemetery employees believed that a person was locked in the cemetery at night. Oh, yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. So they saw what looked to be a human figure near the capilla where the couple had had that video where they caught the monk in it. Right. Essentially, they thought that they saw someone over there. But when they approached, the person just disappeared in front of them. Uh, And they believe that that was the same spirit that was caught in the photo in 1996. I hate that. Yeah. So bitch has continuity. Mm -hmm. Now, as I said, the cemetery is still open to this day. They do program a number of events around the cemetery. So you can check it out. The information is online. If you're ever in Guadalajara, get at it, girl. They, from what I understand, they do a celebration for Dia de los Muertos, mm-hmm. um, which also includes some site-specific theater. Oh. So, yeah, spooky site-specific theater. Maybe, maybe then we get to see at least an interpretation of the pirate ghost. That would be nice, yes. But it's also said that you can buy photographer's passes to just roam around on your own. So oh, okay. there are ways to officially get access, and I encourage to do it that way. Yeah, don't be sneaking into any places you're not supposed to be sneaking into. Because you're going to run into some ghosts that are going to say, no, this is my house. That's right. The ghost will be like, can I see your pass? Yeah, thank you. They'll be like, uh, vaccine passport, please. Uh-huh. You need two doses, and we're considering the booster. Yeah. Now, um, with that being said, that is all that I have on the Santa Paula Cemetery. Ooh. I want to go someday. I really do, too. Yeah, I love cemeteries, especially old cemeteries, for that reason, because it's like your one-stop shop. Absolutely. You get like a, a buffet of, of spooky stories. Yeah, and I love it. Like a lot of people are just like, you know what? Some people say that like Highgate Cemetery is like the uh, cemetery with all the ghosts and the vampires, but no, baby, don't forget about Santa Paula Cemetery. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. got a vampire tree. Beat yeah. that. Get down to Guadalajara and get into that vampire tree. Now, with that being said, I want to thank my sources. Thank you to Atlas Obscura for their entry, Pantheon de Belen, uh, Santa Paula Cemetery, which was published by Mephis. Mephistopheles, date unknown, but thanks Mephistopheles, love your work in Faust. Yeah. Um, Thank you to Random Times for their entry, Pirates, uh, Vampires, sorry, Vampires, Pirates, and Ghosts from Pantheon de Belen in Mexico, uh, which was published by Ivan and Leo, I guess? The iconic duo Uh on October 13th of 2019. Thank you to Mexico Unexplained for their website, The Legends of Santa Paula Cemetery, published by Robert Ritto on March 13th of 2017. Thank you to Explore Guadalajara for their entry, Scary Ghost Stories and Spooky Tales from Pantheon de Belen, author and date unknown, unfortunately. Thank you to Explore Guadalajara again for Pantheon de Belen's uh, Haunted Cemetery Legends. Again, author and date unknown but i think it indicated around 2016 at least uh-huh thank you to the website dane strom for pantheon de belen a historic cemetery in guadalajara jalisco published on june 7th of 2020 and finally thank you to mundosiriax.com for video show scary paranormal apparition in cemetery of mexico published by Edie on may 26th of 2019 all right and thank you johnny for sharing yet another spooky great with us oh you're welcome oh my pleasure it's honestly kind of inspired me because i would love it for people to write in with like 
a local ghost story about a cemetery. Yeah, you know what I mean. It doesn't have to have happened to you. This we're talking like full on urban legend. Like there doesn't even have to be a lick of a documentation to say that it's real. Totally. But every graveyard has some sort of like spooky story attached to it, and yeah. and I I want to hear them. And if we get enough of them, maybe someday we can just put them together in an episode and share them with everyone. The graveyard spectacular. Yeah. I love that. All right. Well, the graveyardstress speaks. Get yes. into it. Mm-hmm. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right. Well, Johnny, I think it's my turn. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we got to have some fun with your story talking about pirate ghosts and monk ghosts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Because my story is going to be a downer. Okay. You're like, great. Well, I'm about to suck the wind out of the room. Kind of. Okay. But you know what? We talk about tragic things on the show all the time. It's to be expected. Girl, it's a pendulum. It goes back and forth. This is it. Now, this story isn't only uh, tragic. It is also timely because it did happen on Halloween. Okay. And the story that I'm going to be talking about today, or I should say the case that I'm going to be talking about today, is the disappearance of Cindy Song. Oh shit, so we're going to true crime. We are. Mm-hmm. Now, as you'll see, Cindy Song wasn't the type of person to just up and disappear. But at the time of her disappearance, Cindy Song was going through a bit of a rough patch. Mm-hmm. This is insinuated by a blog post that Cindy made on October 25th, 2001, that read, Sad but happy, crying but laughing, ugly but pretty, hungry but full, hurt but fine, weak but strong, I pretend, and this is me. Ooh, was that an original verse? I think so. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I didn't there was no copyright to it. There is no there's no reference to anything else. It was simply just that. Yeah. And this was, like I said, written on her blog online and blogs were a pretty popular thing with the youths of the time oh i remember yeah mm-hmm. we've all done it a little bit and her blog in particular was connected to i believe her university she was going to penn state at the time and i think students were able to have their own pages and i was able to access this through the wayback machine okay. so awa awa to the wayback machine mm-hmm. but like i said that entry that she wrote on uh october 25th 2001 was going to be the last entry that 21 year old cindy song would ever make on her blog 
Cindy was a senior student, like I said, at Penn State University, and she was studying integrative arts. She lived off campus alone in an apartment in the 300 block of West Clinton Avenue in College State, Pennsylvania. Now, College State is home to Penn State's main campus and is a town populated with a lot of students and young professionals. It's a university town, and Cindy Song had been living there for close to four years. Now, Cindy Song, who is otherwise known as Hyunjong Song, had moved to the United States from South Korea in 1995 to live with her aunt and uncle in Virginia, where she finished her high school education. Okay. After that, she ended up moving to Pennsylvania to pursue her post-secondary education. Now, Cindy was, by all accounts, a very studious student who took her work very seriously. The integrative arts degree that Cindy was pursuing was a student-designed program that combined a lot of arts and sciences, and so it did require a lot of self-motivation from its students. Totally, but it sounds cool as fuck. It does sound really cool. I've never heard of integrative arts before, but it makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense because a lot of people do think there is this rigid line dividing arts and sciences, and that's just not the case. Mm -mm. They're best they're like the kind that don't really have to flaunt it but they totally have like you know one of those packs with each other where they're like you know what if we're both not married by the time that we're x amount of years <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what i mean like we'll yeah. marry each other that kind of thing yeah that's arts and sciences yeah in a nutshell yeah so don't judge you don't know their life exactly so like i was saying this program that cindy was in uh was a lot of work but she didn't mind that because she was a hard worker in fact on top of going to school full-time cindy held down two part time jobs. Dang. Bitch, when I was going to university, I could hardly even keep down one part-time job without losing my mind. Mm-hmm. So snaps for that. Cindy was there to make it happen. Absolutely. And she was just a few short months away from graduating her program the following spring. Now, October is a tumultuous time for many university students. Midterm assignments and exams tend to happen around mid-October. And so by the end of October, people were always just ready for a reprieve. Mm -hmm. By then, most of the hard work was done and Halloween was just around the corner, which was the perfect time to let loose and shake off those midterm blues. Make room for a little bit of orange and black. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, that was corny as fuck, but... (laughs) I love it. Yeah whatever i love orange and black yeah now cindy song had just turned 21 uh in 2001 and so that halloween was going to be cindy's first halloween as a 21 year old and living in the united states it meant that she would be able to finally go out legally and have some halloween drinks with her friends Mm -hmm. get down goblins that's it (laughs) could not resist oh my god if anybody has never heard get down goblin by jan terry you Mm -hmm. absolutely need to do that right now yeah it's like the official theme of halloween thank you it's the official theme of my heart yeah 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 you're welcome it is so good but anyway cindy song it's halloween she's 21 she is going to go out with two of her good friends stacy payak and lisa kim and we're planning on just having a good spooky night out with the girls spooky girls night i love it i love it i live it now cindy at this time had just broken up with her boyfriend but she was doing okay she was getting over it but a girl's night halloween was exactly what she needed and so dressed as a rabbit which was a cute rabbit not like a sexy rabbit oh i'm into that Uh uh-huh cindy went out that night with her good judies stacy and lisa 
Now, the three women spent the entire night dancing, and when the venue that they were at was closing for the night at 2 a.m., Cindy, Stacy, and Lisa decided to keep the good times rolling and visited a mutual friend's house to play some video games until about 4 in the morning when everyone decided to finally call it a night. Okay. Now, Stacy, who I'm assuming was the designated driver, ended up taking Cindy home. When Stacy pulled up to Cindy's apartment building on West Clinton Avenue, Cindy hopped out of the car and waved goodbye to her friend. And as Cindy walked towards the front door of her apartment building, Stacy began to pull away, not knowing that that would be the last time she'd ever see Cindy. Now, at first, no one realized that Cindy was missing. In 2001, people weren't tethered to uh, social media like they are today. The internet was expanding, but it didn't exist in the same way as it does now. And so it wasn't uncommon to maybe go a couple of days without hearing from someone. Totally. Furthermore, university students tend to be busy. Classes, homework, and work would really suck up all of your time. And like we've already established, Cindy was a studious student with two jobs who happened to live alone. And so it would take a few days for Cindy's friends to realize that no one had spoken to her since Halloween. Because mm-hmm, it's easy enough to just figure, you know, that somebody has a full schedule. Exactly. Yeah. But on Saturday, November 3rd, Lisa and Stacy came to learn that neither one of them had heard from Cindy since Halloween, and so they did decide to stop by Cindy's apartment to check in on her. Now, I will say some accounts said that this happened on the 4th, but I'm, I'm fairly certain it happened on the 3rd, but Okay, just putting it out there. It was sometime the weekend following Halloween. Regardless, when they arrived and knocked on Cindy's apartment door, there was no answer, and when they tried to open the door, it was locked. So, growing more concerned for their friend's well-being, Stacy and Lisa ended up involving the police and reported Cindy's absence. Okay. In what probably began as a wellness check, the police came over to Cindy's apartment. In the company of Lisa and Stacy, they were able to gain access to Cindy's apartment, and at first everything seemed pretty normal. There were no signs of distress anywhere inside the apartment. Cindy's clothes had and belongings were all in their proper place. Like there wasn't like anything missing from her drawers or closets to suggest that she had like made a quick exit yeah, or something like that. But also no sign of an overt struggle or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah. It just looked like apartment that somebody lived in. Yeah, that they just weren't in at the particular moment. Exactly. And and Cindy was basically the only thing missing from the apartment. Stacy and Lisa, who knew Cindy best, scanned the apartment for anything out of the ordinary, which was when one of them noticed Cindy's backpack on the floor. It was the backpack Cindy had taken with her on their night out, which confirmed that Cindy had been home since. Okay. However, the contents of the backpack were examined. They found Cindy's cell phone inside. Now, Stacy and Lisa knew right away that something was wrong because Cindy never went anywhere without her cell phone. Okay. However, there wasn't much time to mull over Cindy's cell phone in the moment because another discovery was made in the kitchen, which only added to the collective concern. Lying on the counter, seemingly abandoned, was a pair of false eyelashes. Now, I can't confirm if Cindy wore false eyelashes often, but it is a fair assumption that she did not. However, on Halloween, as a part of her costume, Cindy had been wearing false eyelashes and Stacy and Lisa were pretty convinced that these were the ones Cindy had been wearing that night. All right. So it at least looks like she had, you know, started to take off her costume and things like that. Exactly. But that was three or four days ago. Why were the eyelashes still there? Like 
thrown on the counter in the kitchen. The tea, yeah. The disposed eyelashes and, and the forgotten cell phone was enough to warrant a more in-depth examination of Cindy's apartment. And with all this information swirling in the air, Cindy's case quickly escalated from a wellness check to a full-on investigation led by Ferguson Township Police Detective Brian Sprinkle. Brian Sprinkle. Brian Sprinkle. Oh my god, I love that. Isn't that an amazing name? Like, just why don't you own a bakery, sir? Oh, listen. Yeah. You know what? He's probably one of those people like, I'm from a long line of bakers, and I just, I don't want to pick up that family I'm the cop George. in the family. You yeah. know? Yeah. Exactly. I gotta bring some grit to the Sprinkle name, honey. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Now, when the detectives began to comb over Cindy's apartment, there really weren't many other clues to go by. But when it was confirmed that Cindy's ID, credit cards, and keys were all missing from the apartment, the authorities could more or less begin to build a workable hypothesis as to what had happened. In addition, further conversations with Lisa and Stacy put forward this likely scenario. So a few blocks away from Cindy's apartment was a 24-hour variety store. They sold food, drinks, snacks, basically anything that a hungry university student might be craving in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And according to Lisa and Stacy, this was actually a store that Cindy would frequently go to, and she would go there at all hours of the day and night. It was close, it was convenient, and it was also definitely the only nearby store that was open that late. Okay. Now, it was quickly hypothesized that Cindy had decided to go out to the store shortly after Stacy had dropped her off. Cindy's eyelashes were probably beginning to, you know, irritate her eyes after a long night. Totally. So that would have been the first thing she just, like, would have taken off to relieve herself. Yeah, and it makes sense that, you know, especially at that time, somebody would be leaving their cell phone back at their place because they were just popping up for a moment. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And she probably would have only had time to drop the bag on the floor and then was probably like, okay, I'm just going to go. It's Dorito time. Dorito time. Mm-hmm. Some of us at the table know that time quite well. Oh, it's my time. Mm-hmm. Now, because it was assumed that Cindy maybe just popped into her apartment to drop off her bag and then leave, it's assumed that she hadn't spent a lot of time in there after being dropped off by Stacy. And this is kind of where the mystery starts to build. Okay. Because leaving her apartment, of course, Cindy would have likely locked the door behind her. And then sometime after that, something must have happened to cause her to not return home. And unfortunately, not too many of those possibilities were favorable. The police started asking other friends and acquaintances about Cindy's whereabouts, but no one seemed to have any clue where she had gone, and no one had seen her in days. And very quickly, one by one by one, her closest uh, associates or mm. friends, family, acquaintances, classmates, totally. were all just kind of ruled out of being involved in Cindy's disappearance. Ooh. And after eliminating all other possibilities, the authorities kind of came to the conclusion that Cindy had disappeared either on her way to or on her way back from the 24-hour variety store. And who was responsible? They didn't have any clues. When her cell phone records were checked, they showed that Cindy hadn't made any calls since her disappearance. Authorities were also able to access her credit card history, which showed that her card had not been used since the time frame that she is suspected to have disappeared. Mm -hmm. Cindy's apartment and surrounding property were carefully examined, but everything looked as it should. If Cindy was met with foul play, it didn't happen here, and it meant it could have happened anywhere, which gave investigators absolutely nothing to go on. Oh, that is ambiguous as fuck. Right? 
Furthermore, College State was a relatively peaceful place, and it really did seem like the police force was ill-prepared to handle a missing person's case like this, mm-hmm. especially with no evidence. Like, how do you figure out what's going on? Like, how do you build a puzzle with no pieces? Absolutely. But one could say, you buy a jigsaw, and you, <laughs> you, you collect some lumber, uh-huh. you say a prayer, and then you get sawn, baby. <laughs> I mean, there you go. There, yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> Create your own jigsaw puzzle, baby. Yeah. Such as in life. Yeah. The thing is, I'm not saying that the the people who are investigating this case didn't do their best, because I do believe that they did. But some people in the area started to have issues with just how Cindy's case was being handled. And there are a lot of points of contention from certain invested individuals. Completely. Now, police began to search far and wide throughout the community for any signs of Cindy. And, of course, they checked the wooded area in town, but nothing came from that. By now, the local community was very aware of Cindy's disappearance, but the authorities were only ever given one lead in the investigation. Mm -hmm. And this came from a woman in Philadelphia, which was about 200 miles away from College State. So this woman in Philadelphia reported that she saw a woman who matched Cindy's description screaming for help from a vehicle that was being operated by a man. Oh, God. Now, obviously, the authorities were interested in following up on this eyewitness report. And from that, they were able to source a composite sketch of the man who may or may not have kidnapped Cindy's song. Mm -hmm. Now, shortly after this, uh, Unsolved Mysteries picked up the story, and they aired a short segment about Cindy's song's disappearance. And at the end of the statement, the composite sketch was shared. It was suggested at the time that this man in the composite sketch was not being held responsible for Cindy's disappearance. Like, they strictly said he is not a suspect, but police would like to speak with him. We think you were in a speeding car driving away with somebody who was screaming potentially being kidnapped but we just want to talk to you exactly okay the unfortunate thing though is even after unsolved mysteries aired this segment nothing ever came from it and and no new leads came from uh, the report and nobody really was like oh i know who that person is in the composite sketch And to make it just even more complicated, the original eyewitness testimony that they got this composite sketch from, when they spoke to this person a couple of times after, they noticed that the story kept changing ever so slightly. And so the credibility of this eyewitness was really just out of the window, and it just would make no breaks in the case of Cindy Song's disappearance. That's the tough thing about eyewitness testimony. Right? Yeah. Even if people are doing it with the best of intentions, you just can't try your memory like Unfortunately, that. yeah. Now, Cindy Song's parents, who were still living in South Korea, ended up traveling. Actually, I don't know if it was her parents. It was. It, it just said family, so I'm not going to assume. Okay. But uh, some of Cindy's family, who were still living in South Korea, ended up traveling to the United States to aid in the search for their daughter. And shortly after their arrival, they did end up cleaning Cindy's apartment. And some people like to point out that by doing this simple act of cleaning her apartment, they could have destroyed some potential physical evidence that the police failed to collect on their preliminary investigation. Okay. But by this point, the police were pretty certain that whatever happened to Sydney didn't happen in her apartment. So some people like to point that out as being like, oh, they shouldn't have let them do that. But in reality, they, they, they did investigate that 
space. Yeah. They, they found nothing. Well, and also, like, yeah, you know, it's not the best thing that could have happened, but let's also not start blaming the family of the person who's disappeared. Exactly. Yeah, there are a lot of people pointing fingers in regards to this case because it is unsolved, but I think we just have to be careful where you're pointing your fingers. You 100%. I mean? Yeah. Sage wisdom for life. Yeah. And cat massage. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Now, speaking of uh, being careful of where you point your fingers, there was another theory that started to emerge in regards to Cindy's disappearance. And this one is complicated mm -hmm. because some people started to suggest that perhaps Cindy had disappeared on purpose. Now, it's alleged that some people who are close to her and we don't really know who believed that Cindy may have orchestrated her own death. Okay. And that her friends had helped her do it in some way, shape, or form. Like, I, I believe it was some family members who were like, maybe Cindy wanted to die and her friends helped her to do it. Okay. And, I mean... It, it, <laughs> It's entirely possible that Cindy's final blog spot or blog post uh, incited this hypothesis. <laughs> Ooh, Freudian slip. I know, right? I'm getting paid by blog spot, are you? Yeah, okay, I know. Yeah. Um, but that, that poem that I read at the beginning, some people look at that to be like, oh, maybe this is like a cry for help. Yeah. That went unanswered and mm -hmm. that maybe Cindy was uh, pursuing death. But it was said that although Cindy was dealing with the aftermath of a breakup that upset her, her friends were confident that she was recovering from that relatively quickly. Like, yeah. she was happy, all things considered, and she spoke optimistically about the future. And she just didn't really behave at all like someone who was having suicidal thoughts or ideations. 100%. Of course, we can never really know what's going on inside someone's mind. But all of Cindy's friends just really denied that they had anything to do with Cindy's disappearance and I think that's what really shook people that that some people thought this was a big orchestrated thing yeah and that her friends were involved but like I said when investigations were done early on everyone had an alibi it was just it was yeah it's a crackpot theory. Everyone's grasping at straws here. That's what it seems to me, at least. Exactly, yeah. And I, I think you're right. People are just trying to make sense out of something that really doesn't make sense because this investigation was going nowhere. People just started to speculate and and try to put the pieces together. Because totally. Because that's what our brains try to do. Well, yeah, it's human nature to try to make sense even of things that are kind of nonsensical or put things in patterns and or, or, or in order and, you know, uh, like identify patterns, etc. Exactly. Look at me just stuttering and trying to mansplain human consciousness. <laughs> Listen, You're welcome. it's what our brains do. Mm -hmm. Now, mansplain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. In the end, Cindy's missing person's case grew colder and colder until one day it just froze. People blamed the authorities for not doing enough, but the authorities retaliated, explaining that they could only work with the evidence that they had, which, as we've established, was almost nothing at all. Yeah, they're kind of like, do you want us to start inventing shit? Like, mm -hmm. really? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which is what some people, it seems, were starting to do. So the authorities are being really careful not to do that themselves. Yeah, totally valid. But as time went on, 2003 came and then something pretty wild happened. So a 29-year-old felon named Hugo Selinsky was arrested in 2003 for crimes unrelated to murder. However, Hugo Selinsky would later be tried for multiple accounts of murder when the remains of at least three people were found 
buried in the backyard of his home on Mount Olivet Road, which I believe is positioned somewhere between College State and Philadelphia. Holy shit, so that escalated quickly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Hugo Slinsky's trials, legal trials, were long and complicated, and it took over a decade for him to be sentenced to life in prison for murder. But like I said, Hugo Slinsky was a felon before he was a murderer. And he took part in some pretty high stake heists like bank robbing, you know, small things like that. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Now, his main accomplice was a pharmacist named Michael Jason Krakowski Jr. And we'll get to him in a second. But right now, I want to talk about another one of Selinsky's accomplices, who is a man named Paul Weekly. Okay. And when Paul Weekly was arrested, he very quickly became an informant for the police. And it was actually this informant, Weekly, who told police about the bodies in Selinsky's yard. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, according to Weekly, Selinsky said that he and Krakowski were driving around College State looking for girls when they spotted Cindy's song walking down the road late one Halloween night. Weekly said that Selinsky said that Krakowski mistook her for a sex worker and kidnapped her off of the streets. Oh. Now, apparently there was a walk-in safe inside Krakowski's home, and that's where Cindy was allegedly kept until she died. And I don't think uh, Weekly, the informant, ever detailed how Cindy died, but he did inform the police that Cindy's body was allegedly buried in Luzerne. Okay. L-U-Z-E-R-N-E. Luzerne, I think mm-hmm. it's pronounced. Uh, Luzerne County, which is also in Pennsylvania. Okay. Now, the pharmacist, Michael Jason Krakowski Jr., couldn't be interviewed for a statement regarding these accusations about Cindy's song because Michael Jason Krakowski Jr. ended up being identified as one of the bodies found buried in Selinsky's yard. Oh, fuck. Alongside his girlfriend, Tammy Fassett. Now, when Selinsky was asked about Cindy Song's alleged murder, he seemed to suggest that he killed Krakowski when he discovered that he kept Cindy Song's bunny ears as a souvenir after killing her. And if that's true, it's not entirely true. Okay. Krakowski, the pharmacist, was about to go to court for running a prescription drug ring that netted at least $800,000, which was when Selinsky saw an opportunity to scam him out of thousands and thousands of dollars, uh-huh. claiming he could use the money to help arrange legal support for Krakowski, which unsurprisingly was not his true intention. He really just wanted to take the money and run. Of course. Now, ultimately, Selinsky ended up killing Tammy Fassett and Michael Jason Krakowski Jr. over a $10,000 dispute. Allegedly, he beat them, strangled them, and then buried their bodies in a shallow grave in his backyard. Now, like I said, Selinsky's crimes are complicated. He kept disputing his charges, his lawyers continued to find loopholes that prolonged his sentencing, and at one point, get this, Selinsky even managed to escape prison. Mm-hmm. And he did this by uh, making a rope ladder out of bed sheets. That's some Bugs Bunny shit. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, where, where would he even find a window or a ledge to be able to do that? I don't even no, totally. know. No, totally. High-key Looney Tunes. Very that. The thing is, though, he ended up turning himself in three days later because I guess, uh, you know, life is hard when you're uh, dealing with the high-key Looney Tunery of it all. Exactly. Now, ultimately, Slinsky's criminal history is a wild ride, but as it pertains to Cindy's song, it's quite murky and questionable. 
Although there were several bodies buried in Selinsky's backyard, none of them were ever identified as Cindy Song, and no remains were ever found in the county that the informant said that Cindy's body was buried. Okay. And so basically, without a body, Selinsky couldn't be formally charged with the murder of Cindy Song, and Krakowski, who Selinsky had murdered, had been silenced forever, so they'd never be able to get any kind of further information in that way. Mm-hmm. Unless they got a Ouija board. Yeah. But, I mean, listen, you know what? We'll keep the Ouija boards out of criminal justice. Don't give them any ideas. Yeah. yeah. Now, the thing is, if Zelensky and Krakowski were responsible for Cindy Song's murder, it's the closest her disappearance has ever come to being solved. But ultimately, there has never been enough evidence to make a conviction. Ooh, yeah. And... Because of that, to this day, 20 years later, Cindy Song's disappearance remains an unsolved mystery. But from what I do understand, even though there hasn't been a lot of movement in this case, Detective Brian Sprinkles has never really given up on the case. And I totally added S to the Sprinkles. It's just one singular sprinkle. Oh, how dare you! So, Sprinkle Mm -hmm. seems to have faith in their informant weekly because apparently everything else that he told the police proved to be true. Like, all of the tea that he spilled was 100% factual. Okay. The thing is, when it comes to a case that hasn't been closed, that hasn't been solved, we really don't know what we're not being told. But what we do know is that Brian Sprinkle believes that he will someday close this case. So take that for what you will. Get into it, Brian Sprinkle. But until then, uh, Cindy Song's case is still opened. And until it's closed, there is a lot that Brian Sprinkle's... Maybe it is Sprinkle's. Maybe it is plural. I'll have to double check. Okay. Um, Sorry, Brian Sprinkle. Sorry, Brian Sprinkles. Maybe Sprinkle. Don't mean to put disrespect on your name. Yeah, exactly. The point is, there's a lot that uh, Brian just can't talk about publicly. You're delicious regardless. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So until Brian can tell us everything he knows, that is all we know in regards to the disappearance of Cindy Song. Okay. And with that, peace and blessings to all of my sources. Thank you to unsolved.com for their entry on Cindy Song and their episode as well, which is cited there. You know how it is nowadays with the different platforms. Every episode's a different number. Yeah, Unsolved Mysteries, it's everywhere, baby. Exactly. But if you want to find the episode, you can go to unsolved.com. Uh, thank you to the charlieproject.org for their entry on Cindy Song as well. Thank you to investigationsforthemissing.org for the Halloween disappearance of Cindy Song. Thank you to donetwork.org for their entry on Cindy Song. And also thank you to mcall.com, which is the morning call, for their article, Selinsky convicted of strangling pharmacist and his girlfriend burying bodies in his backyard. That was written by Michael Rubenkam on February 11th, 2015. Thank you to citizensvoice.com for Who is Hugo? Written by Christopher J. Kelly for the Sunday Times and published on June 22nd, 2003 and updated April 7th. 2020. Oh, we love an update. Mm-hmm. Thank you to penlive.com, that's pen with two N's, for their article, Eight Years After Penn State Student Disappeared, Case Narrows to One Active Lead. And there's no uh, author for that, but it was uh, published on November 9th, 2009, and updated on January 6th, 2019. So what that tells us is that people are have not forgotten 
about Cindy Song's case. And I really do believe that, that this one will get figured out. Fingies crossed. We will keep our eyes peeled for more breaks. Fingies crossed. All right. Well, thank you, Tyler. You're welcome. I'd never heard about that one, but that's freaky as fuck. Mm-hmm. I hope it gets solved. Me so too. with that being said, do you want to just move into uh, the, the lesson of the day? Yeah. Okay, well, Tyler, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me, and honestly, my hand really hurts, so we should probably just get this show on the road. All right. What did you learn today? All right, so today I learned that uh, don't go don't go hacking into trees. No! Respect the trees. You don't know what's inside that tree. You don't know what's inside the tree. You don't know what secrets, what spirits, what ancient evil entity that tree is harboring. 100%. Right? Therefore, we should start using bamboo for everything, right? Yeah, maybe. How, how many evil spirits could be in bamboo shoots? I don't know, but if people start hacking into bamboo and they realize it's like a hotel for spirits, you can go blame Tyler. I'll take the blame. All right, well, today I learned to never give up. Mm-mm. You know what? There's always hope for shit to get solved. Yes. You just gotta keep on working. You just gotta keep your your nose to the grindstone. Actually, you know, I'm not gonna say keep your nose to the grindstone. I'm not gonna do all that pull yourself up by your bootstraps bullshit. Uh-huh. Just show up and do your best. Yeah. And yeah, it, it'll it'll work out. Keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, and just be careful where you're pointing your fingers. Exactly. And I'm not saying, like, everything always works so, like, you know, n- nothing in life always gets wrapped up in a tiny bow, but you catch my drift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can hope that it does. Yeah. Show up, babies. All right. So, with that being said, uh, do you want to read a review? I do. I have a review, if you don't mind me reading it. Oh, I'd love for you to read it. In fact, I Im- I implore you. All right. Yeah. I will. Yeah. So this one actually comes from Allison, and Allison lives in Canada. Oh, love that. Mm-hmm. And this review was left for us on Apple Podcasts. And Allison's review says, my personal saviors for depression. Five stars. I love you guys so much. I live in the GTA and frequently think of being able to hang out with you both and talk about art and animals. Oh, Aww. hello. Down with the GTA. Hey. <laughs> um, this I'm... is how we rock it in the T dot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? I think that I was Sean Desmond. That. Yeah. Oh, Sean Desmond? I think. Uh, Sean... In, in a little ditty called Get Ready. Okay. Mm-hmm. I always get Sean Desmond and Sean, Sean Mendes. No. Well, sorry. Sometimes I complete your sentences and I'm wrong. And you're always wrong. Okay. Yeah. So, Sean Mendez? Yeah. You mix him up? With Sean Desmond. Oh. Not Sean Paul. Sean Paul shines on his own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't really. Who's Sean Mendez? Oh, you know, Sean Mendez is no. very popular with the TikTokers. Very... Oh, with the guy in the Tim Hortons commercial. Yeah. That's how I know there who he go. is. All right, there we go. All right, sorry. No <laughs> yeah, offense, yeah, yeah, no yeah. offense. Anyway, yeah, he's, he's hot stuff. Okay, all right, duly noted. Um, anyway, uh, Allison goes on to say, Yeah. I waited until I caught up on episodes before I left a review. I don't know why, just OCD, LOL. But I suggest your podcast to everyone I can. I got my sister listening to you. Keep doing what you're doing because otherwise I shall have a very tiny riot with a sparkly heart emoji. JK, wish you all the best for you and your fur babies. That's from Allison. Okay, well, wishing all the best for you and your fur children as well. And you keep doing what you're doing, Allison. Yeah, and if you ever see us out and about in the wild, say hey. Oh, please do. Yeah. And like, look, I have a resting scowl. Um, So if you see me and you're like, oh, he looks mad. Mm -mm -mm." (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. You'll get a hey Uh as soon as you say Johnny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah so cool. don't be intimidated by our arresting scowl face. Just I, oh god, and I just hold them to shout our names. Don't do that. 
What? Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever. Figure it out. Just It'll say be... hi. Lean into the moment. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we exactly. love that. No pressure, though. Yeah. I feel like we're adding too many stakes. We 100 percent are. Yeah. It's cool. Just it's, say hello. Totally we're happy fun. to say hello. Yeah. Hi. hi. All right. So, with that being said, thank you, Allison. Uh-huh. That was a super cute review. We loved it. It made my heart sing a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. And if you want to be just like our friend Allison, and you want to make our hearts sing in a healthy way, not like in a heart attack kind of way, um, you can leave us a review and a rating on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on you yeah. leave a cute little five star rating and a cute review and we will add it to the pool of reviews to read on this podcast you know it yeah because it's a really sweet way to show your support for the show it lets us know that you're out there and it lets those wicked old computers that bleep bloop and run the podcast charts it lets them know that we're worth spitting at so yeah it's helpful it helps the algorithm How's that for an answer? Uh-huh. Now, if you want another way to help support the show that lives outside the algorithm, you can run over to the Secret Society that doesn't suck, babies. Patreon.com slash that's spooky. And baby, that is where it is at. You can get access to our weekly mini episodes called Spooky Snacks. We do a ton of other live streams over there. We have a book club. There's there's more shit than you can uh, shake. Uh, I'm looking for something because I don't want to say shake a stick. Uh, More than shake you could, a rattle at. Yeah, you could shake a rattle at, baby. So yeah. get into it. Mm-hmm. And you can also get into our social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and who knows what the future will bring. Oh my God, but so many platforms. Yeah, <laughs> but we're at that spooky pod. Yeah, and it's spelled just like it is in our email, which is that spooky pod at gmail.com. So T H A T S S P O O K Y P O D. And please send us your freaky stories, weird shit that has happened in your hometown. We want to know the stories about your graveyards. And of course, we want pet photos. Mm-hmm. We are hungry bottoms for pet photos. So Lona's up, Danny. Thank you. Yeah. Now, last but not least, we have a website because it's 2021 and yeah. it's good to have a website. Yeah, baby. And it's thatspooky.com. You can listen to episodes from there. You can access the Secret Society from there. You can email us from there. You can even access our store from there. Or just go directly to thatspooky.com slash store. You can get your booty cup while they are still around. You are going to be able to get pins because those have been officially reordered. We're just waiting for them to show up. Take it forever. And uh, yeah, get into it, babies. Thatspooky.com slash store. So I think with that being said... That's all that uh that's all that we have for this week. That's it. We're done. We're finished. It's over. Mm-hmm. But can I admit something before we go? Uh-huh. Like you know how I, you know, admittedly, like my hand is in a load of pain because you know it was just cut open and all that kind of shit yesterday. I mean, Johnny's being pretty modest. He's in fucking pain today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the tea is, you know what makes me feel less in pain? Our lovely listeners. Yeah. So thank you for your presence, because your presence is a present, and we love you very much. Kissy kisses. And don't forget, if you're going to be a bitch... Be a spooky bitch. And have a safe Halloween. Bye. Bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to That Spooky early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin' Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin' Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple failed to answer their daughter's messages and calls, 
The daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, but after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.